This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Mindfulness is being in a state of total awareness of the contents of our minds, which makes us more conscious of what we're thinking and feeling. And by being in this state of complete awareness, we can remain observant of our thoughts and our feelings with acceptance and non-judgment, because we have a heightened awareness of what is occurring in our minds. This is when we are in a pure state of mind, and it is in this state when you can guide yourself wisely pointing yourself in the right direction instead of one that can be hurtful or harmful to you. This state of complete awareness that mindfulness puts you in won't let you escape or choose something bad or unwise because you will be conscious of the choices you are making and you will want to make the best ones. But if you don't, that means you weren't letting mindfulness do what it does well, keep you present with total awareness. What mindfulness does is it helps us maintain equanimity in the face of change and accept it maturely without reacting. This is the type of mature consciousness we want to be in so we can be aware of when we slip into duality. Valeria Tellis interviews Ora Nadrich, the author of Mindfulness and Mysticism, Connecting Present Moment Awareness with Higher States of Consciousness. Ora Nadrich is a pioneering mindfulness expert, international keynote speaker and coach, and the founder and president of the Institute for Transformational Thinking, a sought-after expert in the fields of mindfulness, transformational thinking, and self-discovery. She is the author of Says Who? How One Simple Question Can Change the Way You Think Forever, and Live True, A Mindfulness Guide to Authenticity, named one of the 100 best mindfulness books of all time by Book Authority. Her new book is Mindfulness and Mysticism, Connecting Present Moment Awareness with Higher States of Consciousness. Meet Aura at auranadrich.com. Here is the interview with Aura Nadrich. In your own words, who is Aura Nadrich? Hmm. Who is Aura Nadrich? Oh, my goodness, if you ask me that question over and over again, I'm sure I'll have a different answer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'm sure I'm going to answer this different than the last time we were together. Aura Nadrich is a woman, mother, wife, and seeker of truth. Have you found anything that resonates with that idea of what the truth is, the concept of truth, or? For me, the truth is a, is a constant discovery because where it really ties into mindfulness is mindfulness is the practice of awareness, being present, do you know, and how aware we are in the present moment. So the more present we are, the more we see, 
And I talk about that in Mindfulness and Mysticism, about lifting the veils of illusion. Do you know, we, we really have to sharpen our awareness so that we can see things more clearly. And that means more truthfully, because there's so many things that are hidden, if you will. Uh, and again, the more aware and awake we are, the more we notice something. You could look at a painting. You know, two people can look at a painting and one person notices maybe five things of that painting and the other person notices maybe 15 things. Mm-hmm, true. <laughs> you know, so yes. it's all about perception. And I feel that it's not that the truth is hidden from us. It's that we don't see it because we're not fully present and aware of it. So when I say a seeker of truth, I know that it is a constant journey of lifting the veils so that we can see more truth. And I also call those sacred truths of the universe. What is your vision for for the truth? What does it look like? If now you could have a glimpse of it, how would you describe that? You know, I, I think that it is seeing that which is most authentic, that which is most, you know, sort of like the fundamental essence of something. Do you know, you know, you can look at the beauty of a rose. And yes, when you look at it visually, it's beautiful. But what you really also want to do for the complete experience is to smell its fragrance. Do you know, to me, that's, that's a full truthful experience of that entity that the rose presents itself to us it invites us in we're being invited in every minute of the day you know we're being invited in to experience to see you know i love that quote by thoreau it's not what you look at that matters it's what you see and this is something that mindfulness, which is a practice that you teach for a long time now, it takes us to that realization that life is a lot more than what we look at it. I love that idea. Yes. I wonder what are the signs besides using the five senses to experience what's happening now? Are there other subtle signs of when we are present? What would that be? Well, what I say about mindfulness and present moment awareness is that when we are fully present, our senses are more heightened, meaning that we can see more clearly, we can hear more sharply, we can taste more fully, do you know, we can touch more sensitively. So our senses are much more heightened because we're so much more present and we have heightened awareness. And because we have heightened awareness, again, going back to perception, our perception becomes much more heightened, which is then lending itself to higher states of consciousness. We're not just seeing things, as I mentioned in the book, it's not just the first layer of truth. There are many layers, do you know? So if you think of your senses as the gateway, you know, our senses don't lie. Our senses guide us on the life journey to have the experiential so that we can have all of these uh, sense awareness, if you will. And the more present we are, the more we can go even deeper into our senses. And perhaps there are many more senses beyond just 
our five senses. One of which is intuition, I have heard. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yes. I mean, we rely on things. You know, I don't believe that we even use, we, I, I don't even want to do it in percentages, but I think that we use very little of our greatness, if you will. We don't really use, you know, all of the capacity and the potential and that we can delve into such deeper areas of ourselves if we are starting off present, fully present, show up in a moment and really surrender to the moment so that we can avail ourselves to the moment that we can have a full experience and that every fiber of our being and every one of our senses feels fully alive. And our intuition, again, yes, is one of those. So our intuition becomes sharper. Our instincts become sharper. You know, we're incredible, an animal, you know, if you will. We are this amazing, miraculous human being and we are just beginning to tap into like i said all of who we are and i hope that mindfulness and mysticism takes one on the journey to go deeper into themselves to find out these aspects of who we are another question i guess with that when you talk about when we are present we are able to kind of deepen our senses so we can feel more and in a way, or it's interesting because we can feel more, but at the same time, less, I guess, less of the emotions. Seems like there's more feelings, natural feelings that arise and less of, let's say, the labeling of those feelings. That has been my experience, which is kind of interesting. It's almost like a paradox. I feel more, but less at the same time. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, we are we are deep feeling beings that we are, and we and again, this goes back to our capacity that we can feel very deeply. When we allow ourselves to feel deeply, fully, presently, we can be in a state of just beingness as opposed to doingness. And when we're in a state of being, we allow ourselves to free fall which I talk about that in the book. Freefall means that we're not really controlling the experience. We're allowing it to happen and show us what it is going to present to us, do you know? And we're much more, we're much more open. Feelings and emotions where I think it can be a little bit sometimes confused, if you will, not just semantically, but that sometimes our emotions can get in the way because we're in a state of reactivity and I also say that our thoughts are very connected to our emotions. So if we allow ourselves to feel without any premeditation and just allow ourselves to show up and free fall into what we're really feeling, we don't need to control it. We just allow ourselves to experience it. Is there something beyond experience that we can perceive you know, I, I think that's vast because I think everybody's experiences are different, do you know? And I think that it is, is, I think it is vast. I think there's no limitation to what we can experience. And it can take us deeper into the experience where our doors of perception, which, you know, Aldous Huxley talked about the doors of perception. And my book really offers up you know, diving deep into the doors of perception naturally without, you know, you having to use drugs or artificial stimulants or anything really that the chemicals of our brain 
can take us into many areas, do you know, neuroscientifically, that there is no limit to it, really, do you know? So in a way, what we can experience with the senses and perception, it's different, isn't it? It's not really the same thing because we all perceive the experiences we have in a different way. Exactly. And and perception is, you know, very powerful. And, you know, what the book really proposes is that I really delved into those areas because I was very fascinated by, you know, the, the, the places that we go that can be very um, altering. And whether one uses, you know, um, drugs or stimulants or plant medicine, you know, a lot of people feel they need that to be the portal to go into the deeper areas of perception so that our perceptions can be widened and it can be vast and endless, you know, and there's no telling where we can go. And I feel the same way that we can allow ourselves to be taken into the mystical experience, into those heightened experiences. And one can't predict where one can go. I think it's endless. And all those experiences, each and every one of them can be different and magical and wondrous and blissful, do you know, and and put us in altered states of consciousness. Yeah, I read that in your book. So in a way, we don't need, some of us do, I guess. You're not against, right, or uh, plant medicine? And no, no, I'm not against plant medicine. Um, I think plant medicine can be a, a beautiful gateway into having the um, altered state of consciousness experience, do you know? And I think whatever one uses, you know, if they use it mindfully, um, you know, plant medicine comes from the earth, you yeah, know, it's, yeah, it's the right. great mother earth, if you will. So if that's your vehicle, if that's what you're using to go deeper into the depths of your psyche, spirit and soul, I, I com, you know, completely embrace that. I just don't want to see people abusing mm, yeah. um, chemicals or stimulants in order to feel that's the only way they can have altered states of consciousness. I think that's very, I think that's a very limited mindset to have. I wanted to make a comment about the experiences we can have and then the perceptions that we can access. And then the common place that we usually get to most of us when we are there, be it with um, the help of plant medicine or naturally, as you propose, we get to this space of oneness. We are able to see that. Yes. Isn't that yes. interesting that we all are able to see that? Yes, exactly right. And, and you know, there, there are people, whether they have experienced a, a feeling of oneness or unity consciousness you know, whatever that means to you, the absolute, you can call it whatever you want. There are many ways in which one can access that and experience it. And yes, plant medicine is one of those ways. And that's what I call the mystical experience. That feeling of oneness and non-separateness, what I'm really inviting the reader on this journey is to know that this is available to them, do you know, and that Anybody can have these experiences if they set themselves upon that journey. Yeah, that's another question I have for you in a minute about what drives us. If this is a, the self-transformative journey of mysticism, is that a calling or this is something that we can experiment out of curiosity? I think both. Do you know, I think for me, I always took myself to the depths 
of discovery because I, I want to learn more. And that journey, by the way, is endless until we take our last breath. And then mm, who knows mm, what yeah. happens for the spirit when it leaves the body. You know, the journey may be just a continuum and it never ends, do you know? So yeah, I think that it's there for us if we have a desire to go into those deeper areas of our being, you know, then it's endless what we can experience in this lifetime. And I, and I really invite the reader to come on that journey to take themselves on the journey of discovery. You know, it's quite an extraordinary journey. Tell me about it. <laughs> it's amazing when we become open to it, then yes. it happens naturally. Yes. It becomes organic from that moment. Right. On. Yes. And I think also, Valeria, one of the one of the reasons why I speak of seeking the truth, or for those who seek sacred truths, is because that really is a truth that can be known by all of us. The way in which life can be is that it keeps it it from us, meaning that we live in a material world. And there's so much that we seek materialistically, that we can lose sight of going into the deeper depths of the life journey, in order to go into these sacred, sublime places, that's available for us to go towards, do you know, we just mustn't get caught in the, the sort of the denser areas of life and just only attach ourselves to the materialistic. We have to really nurture and feed the spirit because the spirit longs for a much more sacred journey. With that in mind, I have a question for you about the motivation for that, or let's say the benefits of that exploration. Would you say the end of suffering or it lessen the feeling of pain? Yes, I mean, I would go with lessen it because, you know, ending is a very concrete description for suffering. And as the Buddha talked about, suffering is inevitable. You know, it's part of the life journey. You know, we, we, mustn't, we mustn't run from it. We mustn't hide from it. And we mustn't fear it. Do you know, it's part of the life experience. But I think that it can ameliorate, it can soften the suffering when we allow ourselves to go into areas that are very sacred and holy. Do you know that we go into those places where we can see that life is really sublime And it can take us into these exquisite depths of experience if we allow ourselves not to get caught in the suffering of life or begrudge the suffering or resent the suffering or, or fear the suffering. You know, we, we, have to, we have to open ourselves up to life, all of it. And we don't need to get stuck in the suffering. You know, there is that wonderful quote that, Suffering is inevitable, you know, but we don't, it's, it's also optional whether we want to yeah. stay there. I wonder if it is possible to focus and to redirect our attention to spiritual growth without achieving basic material needs. Yes, and we must make time for the spiritual. Do you know, I love this quote by Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, French philosopher, mystic, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. 
And if we really pay attention to the needs of the spirit, not just our human needs, meaning, of course, we need to be, you know, in our survival awareness where we need a roof over our head. We need foods on our plate. We need to pay bills. I get that. You know, we are in the material world. I understand that. But if it starts to dominate too much of your life and you're only functioning out of survival mode all the time, you're going to miss the magic. Mm. You're going to miss the magic that life can show you. You know, life offers you to be able to look at a sunset and a sunrise or to take a walk on the beach. You don't have to pay for that. Do you know? It's saying, saying, (laughs) come to me. Let Uh me show you the gifts of this earth. Let me show you the gifts of this life. It's here for you. So we must stop again, in our constant doing and our constant, you know, worries and concerns about our survival. And I get that they're genuine. And some people are struggling all the time. I understand that. But if you succumb to that, and it becomes your master, then you become a slave to it. And that becomes your life expression. And it's sad to make that your life expression 24-7. What a beautiful message. Yes, a reminder for all of us when we get caught up in obsessive thinking. (laughs) And we do, and we do, and we will again and again. And we must remind ourselves not to stay stuck there. That's where mindfulness and meditation really helps, yes, right? Yes, 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 exactly. Uh, would you say that that's the foundation or the antidote to obsessive thinking about our experiences, especially the negative ones, would be the practice of mindfulness and meditation? Or is there a step yes. before that? <laughs> yes. I mean, I talk mostly about mindfulness because that really includes everybody who's even not a meditator. And I want this to be an inclusive um, journey, if you will, that everybody can participate. Mindfulness is the informal practice of meditation, meaning you don't need to sit down on a yoga mat or a meditation pillow. And it's great if you do that as well. They're not mutually exclusive. But what mindfulness does is it brings present moment awareness into all the moments of our lives so that, you know, let's say when we're in a state of suffering, we can stop and ask ourselves, what is causing me to suffer? What is it that is pulling on my heart? What is it that is ailing my soul? Do you know, what is it? What is it that is stopping me from feeling the love and the oneness and the connectedness that I have a sovereign right to feel as a human being? You know, we can stop. And for a lot of us, by just questioning and asking, we can get to the inner voice of our suffering. And we may find that our suffering is not necessary that we're spending too much time on worrying, that we're spending too much time not in the present moment. We're spending too much time nervously anticipating the future, which isn't even here yet. Or we're lamenting and begrudging the past, which has come and gone. And we are robbing ourselves of being fully present to say, ah, yes, this moment right now, this moment is enough for me. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love the idea of inquiry, that we can be open enough to keep asking questions to yeah, ourselves. Yeah. And say what you just said now, beautifully said, is this moment enough for me? 
Yes. And how can I make it be enough for me? And that I'm not pulled, that I'm not constantly weighed down by my worries and my concerns. You know, a lot of the worries and the concerns are just overdone. Do you know? We can say, you know what? I'm going to stop and I'm going to trust that what this moment has to show me will help me. It will open me up in a way to receive maybe more information to help guide me on the life journey, Mm -hmm. to help teach me what I need to know. I love that. It's very inspiring even to listen to you. It's a beautiful reminder because we tend to forget. That's interesting. That's why it's a practice, right? Exactly right. Talk to me for a moment about what mysticism is, the way you describe it, and if mysticism is directly connected to spirituality. You know, the beautiful definition of mysticism, and I will use that of Evelyn Underhill, who was a Christian mystic that I reference in my book, and she was a beautiful inspiration for me as someone who walked the path of the mystical. And she says that mysticism is being in union with reality. Well, I looked at that and I sort of went deeper into that description and I said, being in union, which is being at one with, again, going into non-separateness. So that means that I am in at one with the reality that is known by me. Well, what is that reality that I knew or what is the reality that she knew or what is the reality that Valeria knows? We are defining our reality every minute of the day. And we are choosing our reality, meaning we can weave our reality to be what we want it to be because we are great manifestors, do you know? So the whole notion of her description, which is um, being in union, really resonates for me in that being in union for me means that I am at one with And when I am at one with, I just feel that I drop into something that is so profound. And I use those words, sacred and holy. And I feel myself not separate from anyone or anything. Now, if you take the essence of what I'm describing, when people say, well, how do I I have a mystical experience? And I ask them, think of a time that you felt very at one with, that you had that beautiful moment that you said, oh my God, I feel so good right now. This moment is so beautiful. You know, there are people that have said, this is the best moment of my life. Well, think about what you're really saying. You're really describing the mystical experience where you are feeling so at one with that glorious, wondrous, magical, blissful feeling that we can experience if we allow ourselves to be available for it to happen. What comes to me when I think about experiences of that union being in one, I remember having many of them. Mm. And I Mm -hmm. remember the first time I had, I wanted desperately to go back to it. That became another search and, you know, seeking something which was not a peaceful place to be, constantly seeking to be somewhere but here. Talk to me for a moment about that. How do we expand or what can we 
learn from the mystical experiences we have of oneness and leave it as it is? Well, I think it's important for people, again, to use that word, remember. So by going into those um, states of awareness, if you will, where we can go back, and for many people that I ask this question to, they go back to childhood, and they go back to those pure states where there was no interruption. They were just their spirit, do you know? And, you know, you see that. We, I think we can all remember going back to childhood when we just were so in the moment and we were laughing and we were running and the wind was mm-hmm. blowing through our hair. Or we yeah. felt the sun on our face, yeah. you know, and yeah. that is what we need to remember to connect to because as we get older on the life journey with our wounds and our traumas and our disappointments you know the things that happen on the life journey going back to suffering which again the buddha talked about if we only focus on the suffering we are we're going to forget and we're not going to remember that we did have those mystical experiences going back to childhood and that all we need to do is not keep ourselves stuck in those states that caused a suffering because what caused a suffering isn't present. It's something out of the past, do you know? And if we stay stuck in the past, then we're not availing ourselves to the present to let the mystical visit us, to come to us. It's like saying, come to me, mystical. Show me what you have for me to see. You know, we're not going to allow that to happen if we're not in the present moment. So when we invite that in, and that's really what I ask us to do is to say, let me invite that in so I can experience those magical moments again and again and again on the life journey. And we can. Yeah. And it is very much possible. But as you know, it's a practice. Oh, it's not, it might be a reminder, just that remembrance, as you said, it doesn't have to be this I have to practice, right? Or No, and I talk about that. We can't force the mystical experience. We can't insist on this to happen. We can't will it to happen, nor do we need to. We don't need to do any of that. If we, again, allow ourselves to be present, you know, I say to people, sit quietly, even if it's for 10 minutes every day. Find a time to stop. Find a time to sit quietly And really what we're doing is we're inviting that to come to visit us. And what happens is what is really beautiful is that it starts to visit us more and more and more. And what we notice is that we don't even have to invite it. It just comes. And we go, ah, it visited me today. You know, I had that moment of oneness where I didn't even have to ask for it. I just felt it. Yeah. I just felt it, yeah. Like having this conversation here today. (laughs) It has been felt throughout the moments of talking to you. That's amazing. You know, look, I understand we're, as I said, we're having the human experiences and that this is going to be something that we need to be cognizant of, that what I say, mindfulness helps us. Mindfulness helps us to be more present because we need it. We need the help. 
And if you think of mindfulness as an inherent quality that each one of us has, we just need to use it. We need to really start our day by saying, I want to show up in my life. I want to be more present. I want to be here, you know, and if we remind ourselves of that, we will have much richer, deeper experiences that will feed our spirit. Do you know? It's soul food. So in a way, it's not the balance that we are looking for, right? It's to be reminded and come to the point of being open enough where mystical experiences of the spirit comes to visit every moment of the day. So the idea of balancing, say, mundane experiences with the senses, the human experience and the spiritual experience doesn't seem to fit. They don't seem to match. Yes. And, you know, the awareness of that, Valeria, is the awareness of when we are succumbing too much to, again, in being in the doing and the materialistic state where we're dependent on it. You know, we're, we're so busy doing because we feel we have to get something and we have to achieve something. And again, there's nothing wrong with those things. But if life is out of balance, we're going to feel that something is amiss. And that's really our spirit telling us that we're not paying enough attention to it. We've got to take what I call in the book, our spiritual pulse. When something feels off, you know, this starts to be a refinement. It's like tuning an instrument. You know, the more you practice mindfulness, the more you become finely tuned to when you are stepping out of the moment. You start to feel like, oh, I'm not really present. What is keeping me from being present? What is keeping me from being content in this moment? Do you know, what is it? What is it that I need to look at? What is it that I need to address? And it helps us. And sometimes there are things that we do need to address. And there are things that we need to look at more closely so that we cannot constantly let ourselves be taken out of the moment in a peaceful way with equanimity. Do you know, we can't let all our moments just be based on, again, as I said earlier, just survival. Because we're going to be, we're not allowing for then the mystical to come visit us. We're not allowing life to show us those sparkling moments. You know what I, it's like, it's like literally when you look up into a sky at night, you know, it's not like the stars say to us, hey, psst, come on, on, look at me. (laughs) I want you to look at me. No, we Mm. need to look up Mm. and recognize that a sky is Mm. full of sparkling stars Mm. do you know but we have to be open to see it yeah because it's there right like you said in the very beginning of our conversation the truth is always here it's not always it's there it's always here for us we just are not taking the time to see it Ah, what a beautiful reminder. (laughs) We need them. We need them, Valeria. We need the reminders. We really do, whether we're reminding ourselves. And this, again, is the practice of mindfulness. It's, It's the awareness of what is it that I need right now in this moment? What is in this moment that I need to be aware of? Is there something that I need to learn, you know, or to really avail ourselves to a moment to be so fully content that we can be in gratitude? You know, we must not forget to be grateful for the moments as well. Yeah, which in a way naturally arises. Gratitude has been my experience. Every time I am in the moment, I can't help it, (laughs) but 
just be grateful for everything and kind of seeing that this is already fulfillment to be here in a body. It's already fulfillment. This journey, it's already incredibly beautiful and 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 complete. Totally. And that's a great, you know, people ask me, how do I start? And I say, you know, when you wake up in the morning, don't just jump out of bed in a hurry. Take a moment or two, open up your eyes. I, for me, I open up my eyes, I connect to my breath. I feel gratitude that I'm one more day alive. And I get up and I open all the curtains in my room Mm -hmm. so that I could look at the sky (laughs) or I could see the birds flying across the sky. Do you know, I mean, these are beautiful, breathtaking visuals that we mustn't take for granted and immediately connects you to your gratitude. It's interesting to see the connection between the embodiment of the human experience happen strongly when we are in the moment, when we are grateful. It's almost like we feel more alive in the body. We do. We really do. You're right. We feel much more alive. And I always say, what you put into the moment is what you're going to get out of the moment. And we mustn't waste these precious moments. Do you know? I talk about that in my prior book, Live True, when I say, who are we to waste the moments of our lives? We're never going to get them back. You wrote the book. It's your second book, right? Or- it's, my, it's my third book. My, my first book was Says Who. My second book is Live True. And now Mindfulness and Mysticism. Okay, so- my third book, yeah. So your third book, Mindfulness and Mysticism, Connecting Present Moment Awareness with Higher States of Consciousness. I love the book. Also, In the book, you have a section, a chapter 30, Non-Dualism. I love yes. that chapter, I, and I love the uh, the meditation. I guess you can call guided meditation. You have in a written form a guided meditation instructions at the end of every chapter, beautifully written, and it's very rich and generous. Oh, so thank you, thank you for oh, spending yes. so much time and putting the energy into elevated states of consciousness and passing that Mm. on to others. You're doing that for yourself. I can see that (laughs) right in the book. That's what you're you're dwelling (laughs) in in those states. And then you're passing that on to others. It's a gift. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. Thank you, Valeria, so much. Thank you. So I do have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. Would you like to add anything else we didn't discuss or read a passage in your book, Laura? My goodness, um, you know, I really will defer to you, whatever you, whatever you prefer, you know, I'm happy to do it. I would love for you to read a passage. Perhaps you can open anywhere. <laughs> I love when oh. some of my guests, they do that, like intuitively. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I, I have, okay, States of Consciousness, Chapter 12. Do you know, I'll, I'll read the quotes because people seem to love the quotes and I'm a big quote person, so... Uh, The key to growth is the introduction of higher dimensions of consciousness into our awareness, Lao Tzu. No problem can be solved from the same level of consciousness that created it, Albert Einstein. And the ordinary waking consciousness is a very useful and on most occasions an indispensable state of mind. But it is by no means the only form of consciousness, nor in all circumstances, the best. Insofar as he transcends his ordinary self 
and his ordinary mode of awareness, the mystic is able to enlarge his vision, to look more deeply into the unfathomable unfathomable miracle of existence, Aldous Huxley. And just to read uh, uh, the first chapter of that, if we looked at consciousness as states in a country, there are many. And if we multiplied that by states in other countries, well, it seems vast, maybe endless. This can be said about consciousness. There are many states, meaning levels of awareness our consciousness can be functioning on. And how awake and aware we are of ourselves, other people, and our environment determines our present state of consciousness. I love that idea because we do work a lot on healing. That's something that I love. (laughs) The idea that we can heal through these experiences can be natural ways of healing the body or um, spiritual messages and insights and realizations like the ones that you, you propose. As I do what I do to heal the body and the mind, I'm still not free from diseases or confusion unless all of us and the environment becomes also in alignment with divine purpose or divine fulfillment, which is already here, as we have been saying. That's an interesting thing. It seems like it's the journey of finding wholeness. It's really for the body and mind. Absolutely. Yes. And I feel that that's what we're seeking. We're seeking to become whole. Not that we perceive ourselves as unwhole or broken, but that's the beauty of becoming more integrated and to going into the deeper aspects of ourselves so that we can begin to integrate parts of ourselves that maybe we don't know very well, or maybe perhaps we're afraid to know better, do you know? And and by doing so, and again, by not letting ourselves be ruled by the fear, we do become whole the more we integrate all aspects of ourselves. What do you love most about being in a human body in this moment? Oh, gosh. You know, what comes to me right away, it actually strikes a a deep chord in me, is the learning. And I will say this, Valeria, is that it comes with pain and pleasure. And I know that the pain can be very difficult, but I know that the pleasure that we experience from our learning is so profound that for me, I, I know that the life journey is this miraculous journey and that the more I show up for it and the more I overcome my fear, I do experience the deep joys and bliss of the life journey. So that to me is something that I look forward to constantly. It's very much connected to being open, isn't it? The learning, being curious. So curiosity and openness, they go together in learning. They're all interconnected. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, What is another word for freedom? Oh, freedom. Oh, gosh, limitless. 
Ah, it's great to be able to feel that even in a limited and conditioned body-mind, right? Or Yeah, I feel that there's no limits. There's no boundaries. We're, we're free. And the freedom, you know, I love the word freedom. I love what freedom represents. I think we're always going to be desiring of more freedom, you know, as we evolve on our life journey. And I think the discovery is really knowing that we are actually already, we're already free. <laughs> yeah, we just, what a we paradox. Just, we, 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 exactly. We, we imprison ourselves or we allow others to imprison us. So the truth is, to go back to the sacred truths, is that we are already free. And, and what I really want to just add to that is we don't want to wait to the end of the life journey when we take our last breath and the spirit leaves the body and then is free, is just set free to go back to the place from where it comes, do you know, is to, for us to really acknowledge that we are free. It's very important that it is our sovereign right mm. and that we are free. The interesting thing is that not just we, you, me here, but everyone and everything is free. And that is such an amazing realization, isn't it? And so in a way, if everything is free, then that's the ultimate truth in reality. The prisons is just the conditionings, right? It is. And and, And I want to say that, especially in the beginning of 2022, that we remain very mindful of that we are free. And be very aware of where you don't feel free. Just just be very aware of where your freedom feels threatened. And is it you keeping yourself from being free? Or are you allowing someone else or something else to keep you from your freedom? It's a very important question for us to ask ourselves this year. This is a very, very pivotal year. This is a very profound year of... Uh, spiritual awakening. And with that, I must end our conversation today because, yeah, I would love for the listeners to reflect on that because it is yes. so true with capital T. Yes. Yes. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Oh, you know, Valeria, the best really way to connect with me or to just be aware of what I'm doing is my website, which is auranidridge.com. Wonderful. I'll have the link on your podcast profile too. Thank you. Thank you again. And what else can I say? I love your presence and everything that you represent. It can be felt, the realization that's amazing how it's energetically the resonance. Thank you, Valeria. I feel I feel the same from you. So it's it's a wonderful gift for us to be able to share sacred space together. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Bye for now, Laura. Bye-bye. Bye. Yes. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Aura Nadrich and her work, please visit auranadrich.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.